Em, can you believe we are in our third season of Interview Boss? Not really. It's crazy. But that means there are over 90 episodes we've made. (gasps) Oh my God. Scrolling through all of our episode titles, you might miss an episode that actually is exactly what you're looking for. Yes, we get so many messages of people asking us to do an episode on something and we're like, we already have. So we've put together playlists to help you find the episodes that are best suited to you. If you're applying for jobs, we have episodes about resumes, cover letters and job ads. If you've been offered your dream job, we have episodes on resigning, exit interviews and how to impress at your new company. Yes, and we even have a playlist for if you have an interview like tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then. Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast. We typically find that folks have uh, generally about four to six identifiable public profiles, anything from a blog to your Instagram to your LinkedIn to your Amazon wish list sometimes is, is public without people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Spotify playlists, we find stuff there. Oh, wow. Right. Things you don't think about as like social media, but those, those social networking aspects and almost everything we interact with now, right? Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name is Sarah. I'm an HR and recruitment professional. And I've teamed up with my sister to give you advice, inspiration, and support when you're looking for a new job. Together, we're excited to give you guys all the tips, tricks, and behind-the-scenes knowledge to help you in your career. So this week, we're talking about all things social media. And to help us with that, we've got a special guest with us. Uh, Bianca Calhoun-Lager is president of the Social Intelligence Corporation. So thanks so much for joining us today, Bianca. Thanks, Sarah. Excited to be here. So... Bianca, tell us a little bit about your background um, and what you do now. Yeah, definitely. So um, I am somebody personally who was a uh, first-generation college student uh, growing up in San Diego and went off to college in in dreamy Santa Barbara, California. Was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and got into first the event industry quite a bit and found myself at all sorts of fabulous Santa Barbara locations that I really didn't think I had any business in. And somewhere along the way, uh, began managing uh, businesses, a variety of of, uh, small event businesses, and then uh, sort of larger ones and more complex ones. And along the way, I just, I really felt like I didn't, like I needed a little bit more education and training. I also wanted to change industries. So I got into technology and I also started an MBA program. And uh, during that time, I hustled very hard. I, I did a lot of, uh, of working full-time in school and volunteering and really was just kind of doing everything I could to pay for school and, and get the education done. And so on the other side of that, I um, continued my sales and marketing career, landed uh, essentially what I thought was a great career growth job, focused on marketing great pathway to executive leadership. And I was pretty content and then went out to dinner one night with uh, friends and neighbors of ours, my friend Max Drucker, who is uh, the founder of Social Intelligence, as a matter of fact. And at the time, Social Intelligence had a strategy uh, that was ever-changing. And so what the strategy was, was 
they were essentially having different product lines, um, one being for uh, background screening for social media and employment. And there was a need at the business at the time to divide the products actually into separate businesses because it was all getting a little bit complex. Uh, Max at the time asked me to come run social intelligence um, in the employment sector as a separate company and spin it off from the rest of the product lines and work on that kind of separation piece first, of course, and and then continue to uh, work on the strategy of of, uh, growth for the business for the employment social media screenings. And so, uh, as one does, one says yes. And I, I, I opportunity strikes. And, You've got to say yes. Opportunity strikes. Yeah, there it is, right? And 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 so interesting from an HR perspective in terms of like what a it was a referral, right? It was it was a recruitment and uh, yeah. certainly uh, a known factor for him. So, um, anyway, uh, the background for social intelligence is that it had was established in 2010. So at this stage, you know, my conversation of entering, it was 2015 and still a very different landscape of social media and what it means for employment globally than it is today. So it's been a wild ride. Yeah. That's for I sure. love that, um, you know, you went out for dinner and it ended up, you know, you're taking on and, and running a business. Um, we did an episode <laughs> yes. on networking recently and one of our tips was you never know when an opportunity is going to strike like that and it could come from somewhere unexpected. I, completely not expected. Um, I remember I, you know, tell a story a lot. I was like had soup halfway up to my mouth and I was like, <laughs> what? Like, What? <laughs> Yeah, I was sure? just kind of like, what are, what are you talking about? Or did you just ask me to come run your company? Um, so it was uh, definitely a, a pleasant surprise. And yeah, to your point, opportunity knocks. Um, a big part of that was he really recognized my hustle and drive during that time period where, frankly, I thought I was losing my mind, you know, and, and I didn't really know what the end game was going to be there. Um, and mm. so you know, to that point, you know, sometimes education isn't always a a very clear path, but um, potentially one that can lead to opportunities that come out of left field completely. Yeah. Yeah. But it may not have come up had you not been hustling in that state to try and get your your degree. It wouldn't have at all. I mean, one of the reasons he thought I was qualified for the job was because I had the credential now, right? Uh, I had the degree, but beyond that, just also the way that I went about it. And then of course my relevant, um, experience in, uh, sales and marketing and, and corporation and, mm. um, structure and, and growth and things like that. So, um, it all kind of gelled together that, and I was young and spunky and frankly, yeah, <laughs> the company needed someone yep, young I, and spunky. <laughs> yeah. I think never underestimate how good it is to be a little bit fresh. Um, I think that can be, that can yes. be handy. Um, so tell us a little bit more about Social Intelligence Corp yeah. as it is today. Yeah. What, what do they do? Yeah, so the basic concept and, and I mean, gosh, you know, what a rabbit hole. Um, and I'm sure at this stage, listeners hopefully are like, okay, let's get on with the social media talk. Like, what are we even talking <laughs> about here? Um, yes, so social media screening, right? And so I think everybody naturally has an instinct to think about um, social media screening in a, in potentially have a guard up or potentially think, oh my gosh, is this scary? Is this like a surveillance kind of thing? And I think though, in that same breath now, 2020 having been what it was and 2021 now mm. being what it is, 
there is a different perspective and a total shift in as a, in a society level to understand the role social media plays in our lives and how that crossover of uh, your job, you know, is in our news every day. It is uh, very relevant. And so, you know, when, when social intelligence first came around, the concept was your boss shouldn't be Googling you. Your boss shouldn't be looking at your Facebook page and learning all sorts of things that at best are none of their mm. business and at worst might violate a privacy law, depending on where you are, where you live, what, what laws apply, and just might make things unfair, you know? Mm. Um, and so... Open you up to discrimination. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think from a candidate perspective... The gloves go up, of course, right, whenever you think about that kind of thing. So you think about, oh, gosh, you know, I, I don't even want them touching that or, or seeing that necessarily. From an employer's perspective, and as we see play out in the media quite a bit now, it matters, right? There, there are some, there's some information on there that disrupt the workplace, that uh, create risk for companies, create reputational risk for companies, and, and potentially actually create workplace harm. Um, especially when it comes to hostility and bullying, intolerant mm -hmm. behavior, violence, of course, is an obvious one. So, um, yeah. so how do employers? How do you reconcile that? Right? How how do you kind of protect the candidate's sense of privacy, but also provide employers with the solution to do their diligence and make sure that they are mm. keeping folks safe? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And certainly, in my experience. Um, it's not necessarily recruitment or HR, but it's the managers. They love yes. doing a bit of social media yes. stalking um, before an interview or before they actually hire someone. Um, so why do you think that, that there's that, um, you know, drive to, to looking into it? Is, that, is it that curiosity or is it protecting the business? Where do you think that comes um, from? Both. I think probably that hiring manager direct, I'm going to Google this person, that instinct is number one it's easily accessible right we're at our, our keyboards are at our fingertips mm -hmm. all day so it's just too tempting to not and I think in interviews and the hiring process and as a manager who hires people and as um, somebody who's been on many interviews in my life I would say that um, you always have what we're trying to do is suss each other out right we're trying to figure out who we are and trying to get to know somebody in a way that helps us make a decision about this part of our lives. And as a manager, this is someone you're going to be potentially working with directly. It's a big part of your life uh, every day. And so that, you know, uh, somebody who's going to match your energy or, you know, talk, people talk about culture fit a lot and people talk about all sorts of different reasons for it. But at the end of the day, I think it's very personal for people to know that, okay, like, you know, is this person going to like – what, what, who, who are you that is going to be sitting next to me or, you know, whoever? Yeah. You're going to have lunch sure. together. You're going to, you know, be talking about your weekends yeah. and things. Yeah. yeah Outside of the work, right? I mean, there's the work aspect. Mm. But I think there's just this sense of like, uh, you know, what's your deal? Who is this person? And uh, any red flags that I need to consider? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I, you guys have a few um, interesting statistics yeah. that I thought would be great sure. to share um, on just how much this actually yes. happens. Yeah, totally. So um, there are a number of surveys out there in the world and um, 
at any given time, the stats change all the time, but I, I think what happens nine, time and time again is that over 90% of employers seem to respond to surveys and say, we use social media at some level of the pre-employment process, right? So uh, there's a variety of, of things that are happening there. And for the most part, it's been pretty, pretty consistent with different um, uh, survey types. Career Builder had a, had a recent one um, to say upwards of 95% or even 97% of folks saying, Yes, you know, this is a tool that's always being used. And so the question really becomes, well, how? What's the process there? What exactly are you doing? How consistent are you are you doing it? What kind of documentation are you using? Do you know if you're looking at the right person? Are mm. you, as an employer, letting uh, your HR folks spend hours going down the rabbit hole <laughs> of somebody's vacation <laughs> video? Or, uh, you know, what is it exactly are you using as criteria to make that judgment that we were just talking about, to, to understand mm. um, how this information is relevant to the job and qualify or unqualify people. As a, a, as a matter of fact, one of my favorite quotes at a trade show that some, a client told me was, well, you know, I just look at their Instagram or Facebook, and if they post too many selfies or pictures of food, then I, I pass on them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's like, a lot of judgment coming in. Yeah. yeah. And I think... I think a lot of listeners out there would probably be pretty surprised to hear, you know, 95, 97%. Yeah. So I think for anyone who thinks that this isn't happening, here's your wake up call. <laughs> um, your employer is probably Googling you and looking at your social media. Um, so I'd love to hear from you, you know, yeah. what are some examples of things that you've seen yeah. that are actually a real concern that you should be yeah. thinking about um, whether you want to, you know, clean things up? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a really important part of the process here. And of course, our product design um, for as a tool and a solution, social intelligence is kind of tasked with making these this information that we're providing as a background check, as a legally compliant uh, background check that's actionable, right? So mm. much like anywhere you are in the world, you're, you're running a criminal background check. Well, there are certain rules around what you get back, what you're looking at, mm. Um the person has to be in the know that this is happening and there's certain criteria that applies and doesn't apply. And so mm. what's it important for a, a provider for you to do is just like those other type of background screens to provide you with that expert based knowledge to give you those boundaries. Right. And to mm -hmm. say, you know, this is where, how, and, and what we're looking at. And so, yeah. um, there's complexities there for sure, but focusing just on the content um, alone, yeah. like what kind of content matters, right? I get to ask this question. It's the number one question, right? Mm. And it's the obvious stuff, right? And so yeah. our product design and, and the beyond product design stuff that our clients ask about all the time, stuff that anybody asks me about all the time, there is some universal things that employers are concerned about, and here they are. Yeah. Number one is violence. Violence is uh, a top concern. Right next to that is criminal activity. Yeah. So um, again, there's some boundaries there that have to be uh, met and crossed and be well legally defined. But I think everybody can kind of get that concept. Yeah, the and hence why police checks are so common as well. Exactly to cover those two as well. Yeah. Exactly, um, and a lot of the time you know, you're doing this within that same program. So when mm. you're really formalizing your process for social media, that's really important. The third one is um, intolerance, uh, hate speech, sexism, kind of a broad category of sort of 
of saying derog we call it, we define it as derogatory information against somebody in a protected class because of their protected class mm. status, right? So uh, something that is derogatory against, um, you know, races or genders or um, mm. different things like that. That's yeah. a tricky one. That is yeah. a tricky one, especially these days. And so um, I could do a whole podcast on that, just talking about <laughs> how to define what those actions are and, and content um, specifically and how to really nail those concepts down from – sort of sociological concepts to very specific legal definitions. So there's a lot yeah. of work involved. And then the last topic is something that is uh, it comes up the most, but is sort of one that we see people kind of opt in and out of quite a bit, which is um, sexually explicit material. Okay. Depending on your industry, um, depending on your geographic location, depending on many factors – some of these things matter and some of them don't. Now, for the most part, companies are concerned with actual sexual acts, right? That might yeah. uh, be illegal, certainly anything that involves children. Um, yeah. But outside of that, even just the candidate themselves, not necessarily like, oh, here's my topless photo. Some companies care about that. Some don't. But mm. if you are performing, involved in, and have this in a public concept, a lot of companies uh, do want to be aware of it at the very least. Yeah. You know, your OnlyFans page, you've got, right. uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> those kinds of things. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. I mean, again, some, some of that stuff is private. And so brings up a really good point yeah. about availability of content. Uh, you know, what are the limitations there? Yeah, um, and if it's if it's not publicly available, mm -hmm. is that something that's going to cause the the same kind of risk to an employer as yeah. compared with if it's you know an open um, public Instagram page? Exactly, and that's exactly the frame of mind to think about it in in that frame of mind, right? Is that um, it, it isn't just because we want to out you and find your secrets in the internet and expose you to the world. This is really about, well, what creates risk for the employer, right? At what point mm -hmm. are they also bound by just privacy laws and, and legal reach, right, without a warrant, without a, a subpoena, without some, some sort of legal-issued uh, statement to say, I have a right to this information? You know, really, no matter where you are in the world, that is probably always going to be a limitation, right, in, in terms of accessing somebody's private information. And, and of course, yeah. many, many privacy laws out there with data and things like that. So um, so for what social intelligence focuses on and what we sort of advise folks as, as best practices and things like that, is is if your client, your coworkers can Google it and find it pretty easily, that's, that's what a company needs to start there and be concerned about. Now, you know, beyond the scope of, of, of a general background check in that way, should there be a need and, you know, criminal investigation, things like that, that's different, right? But just mm. as a, a basic diligence idea and record, mo the, the limitation and the sort of proper legal procedure and really, really just the best guidance that we give is looking at publicly available information because that is where the risk is. That's the viralness of it all. You know, that's everything that uh, really hits the top level stuff. And also kind of where a company put their hands up and say, hey, man, we tried. You know, we, yeah. we did our best here, you know. That's that's so true. I mean, you know, coming from having done 
police checks for a lot of organisations and things like that during the screening process. Um, part of the, the employer's perspective is, you know, we want to be able to prove to our board or our clients or, you know, to the media if it's trial by headline mm-hmm. yeah. um, that we really did do our due diligence and maybe we didn't catch every single thing but, you know, there were processes in place um, and I think sometimes that's that's kind of where an employer wants to get to. They don't need to find every single little thing about someone because yeah. in a certain way that's almost impossible, right? Sure. Um, but they want to make sure that they can confidently say we've done our bit and we've checked that there's nothing, you know, obvious that, that we've missed. Completely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what would be your advice for, for candidates? Um, you know, if someone has like a private profile on everything, is that enough? How do you go about kind of auditing what you're putting out there? Yeah, it's tough because sometimes a lot of the point of having social media is that you want to gain followers and, and have influence. You do want to share your work or um, have some sort of self-promotional aspect or even mm. even just you kind of just want attention, you know, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Um, so I, I, it, it's a tough line. We typically find that folks have uh, generally about four to six identifiable public profiles, anything from a blog to your Instagram to your LinkedIn to mm. a, an obscure, your Amazon wish list sometimes is, is public <laughs> without people. Wow. Yeah. Spotify, playlists, we find stuff there. Um, oh, wow. Right. Things you don't think about as like social media, but those those social networking aspects and almost everything we interact with now, right? Yeah. So it's it definitely takes, obviously, the first things first, have a level of responsibility anytime you're interacting on the internet. And my my easiest advice to folks is be kind. You know, it's, it's yeah. simple. Might even put me out of business, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> be, be kind. That is probably the number one thing. The second thing is, um, of course, yeah, be conscious of your privacy settings. Uh, understand your audience, even if you are somebody who does need that level of, of openness to at least one of your accounts or some of your accounts or anything like that. You can live a very authentic life online without creating violence, being intolerant, mm-hmm. you know, doing any of those things that are fairly extreme. Also, I would say that if you're generally somebody who is concerned about that and concerned about what your boss might think about you on on your pages, generally speaking, folks that have that level of care are probably taking care in the first place. Um, We find about uh, one in 10 of our reports gets one of those boxes checked from one of those flagged categories, right? So that leaves nine out of 10 that are fine. I think that the other vital piece there for candidates to think about is, do you know that this is happening? You know, ha- has your employer clued you in? Um, maybe even, you know, gently ask this in the interview. How do you guys handle background checks? Is social media part of it? Yeah. It's a very fair question. And, it, you know, if they are doing a compliant and formalized check, um, they will absolutely have no problem letting you know how it works. And, you know, potentially if not, you know, it's interesting to see the reaction there, I think. And also just and to you can make that a broad question too, yeah. and say, you know, oh, yeah. what's your checking process in terms of references, police check, other background checks. Yeah. And then that way, you know, you're encompassing that whole process together without asking, are you going to look at my social media? Because I feel like that <laughs> yeah. may come across, they're going to go, well, I wasn't, but I am now. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> 
I didn't think about that, but let's pull it up. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you, correct. I mean, and you could really frame that in a way that's like, hey, I want to be prepared and just make sure I have all my ducks in a row so that mm. I'm ahead of this game. I'm looking forward to an offer. So what do what do you need from me? You know? Yeah. Great. That sounds great. Everybody's happy. But also you're like, you know, or, or do I need to think about this? Yeah. Um, if you're asking those questions, you're probably fine. Uh, everything yeah. that I would assume of all that list that I, I sort of rattled off, I, you know, if you're being responsible in that way and proactive, you shouldn't worry about it. Should you worry about the one-off hiring manager Googling you and stuff? It happens. I mean, unfortunately, like mm. there's not a ton of control that you have over that. So you do want to think about that. Of course, you know, my shtick over here is for employers not to do that, right? I mean, that's what yeah. we want to avoid and and create the uh, level playing field for everybody. So as a candidate, you have confidence in exactly knowing what's going on. And then, you know, the employer still covers their bases. But look, you know, like I said, it's at your fingertips all day. Um, if you're going to Google something, it, it can happen. So, um, so privacy settings are super important and, and be kind, be nice. Yeah. Be nice. And I think probably the one thing that I've seen people not think about is the Google search because yeah. you might be thinking about your social media and you might have that all in private, but yeah. how often do you Google yourself? And I've seen some interesting things come up. We had someone once starting in a logistics area and they had previously had a modeling career back in a previous life. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, very quickly got shared amongst the team. And, you know, not that that changed any of the decisions or anything, but sure. it's information that you probably would have wanted to reveal in your own way. So definitely do a Google search of yourself and just see what's out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to that point, too, I mean... It, uh, look, we're humans. We can't help but like create biases, even if they're fairly innocent, um, even yeah. if they don't necessarily change our decision making or, or we like to think <laughs> they don't. It's tough. That, it's, it's a tough thing to, to I mean, it, that, look, that's a memory that you even remember, right? I mean, it, mm. things, things stick in our brains. But to your point too, I mean, putting things into context from an employer's perspective is incredibly important. You know, I mean, what you said is it was, you know, past life, modeling career, like it's into context, yeah. right? Like what's this stuff all about? You know, what what's yeah. going on here? And so it's really important for employers to have that perspective as well and to understand if you are going to be utilizing information, first of all, do you have the authority to use this in a decision-making process that's actionable, right? That's legally compliant, mm. that is going to work? Do you have something that's going to be well documented and consistent? Did you, you Google that person? Did you Google the other guy in logistics? Yeah. Oh, why her? You know? Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Why did that end up happening in the first place? Yeah. 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 It's sketchy stuff, but it's easy to have happen because again, it's at our fingertips. It's, it's, it feels like it's relevant, but it can really be damaging to a person's career that innocuous stuff maybe potentially gets tied to them and they're not the that's not even the right person or yeah. attributed in some way that is just wholly unfair. So um, you know, I think that's a that's a fear on both ends that that is is recognized and, you know, um it, it's you can't do anything about it as a candidate other than like what you said, Google yourself, see mm -hmm. what comes up. You know, people yeah. email us all the time and say, Hey, what can I do? Can I run my own report? And I'm like, well, frankly, most, you know, your own, 
subject generated content when we talk about a lot, that's you, okay? So what did you yeah. write on the internet? <laughs> Check that first. You're the person who's going to know most. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not like in some vault somewhere that you don't have access to. It's, it's, it's right there. <laughs> yeah, scroll back in your timeline. As mm-hmm. uh, funny you mentioned um, things getting attributed to you when it wasn't actually you. Um, mm-hmm. As someone with an extremely common name, Sarah Smith, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there are millions of me out there. Uh, and so yes. someone may c- get the complete wrong idea that I was involved in something or, you know, that I've got, a, you know, a personality trait or I've got an account that isn't actually me. Um, yes. So it's kind of protection with anonymity, um, but also, you know, you've got that misattribution risk as well. Yeah, and so those are a lot of reasons that people will uh, feel like that's why the guard's up about. That's exactly it. Like, how would you know? And and they'll ask mm. my company, you know, questions all the time. Well, how can you guys possibly know? And there is actually several things that we do, and obviously there's some proprietary stuff, but there is mm. there's quite a paper trail that people leave on the internet to to verify exactly who you are, Sarah Smith, the college you went to, the, the unique career yeah. path that you have been on, the places you have lived, your email address. Um, location. Yeah, location, yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's there is same profile photos and across <laughs> multiple profiles right so maybe yeah. you post the same thing to instagram and facebook at the same time instagram and mm. twitter linkedin whatever obviously you can duplicate that content really easily so there is a pattern your sister's your friend here here and here guess what mm. you know that's the yeah. right sarah you know yeah that being said too this idea of fake profiles right so some people go that route with their own identity purpose and stuff. And that's, you use an alias, you use a username, a lot of people do. But I get the question a lot of like, well, what if I, oh, I was hacked, you know? No, you weren't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but in all seriousness, there's actually ways to prove that, right? There, there are uh, ways to uh, see that pattern of behavior. Um, do you yeah. have a bunch of Russian bot friends, uh, you know, that, you know, it's something it's, there's, there's some red flags that come up and we do find that stuff. We'll find fake accounts. And as a matter of fact, what happens a lot, not a lot, I shouldn't say a lot, but what, <laughs> what happens and every now and then that is very concerning sometimes is that, uh, we'll find like revenge porn type stuff. Oh. Really, really too bad. Right. Um, yeah. And we'll let the candidate know, you know, we're like, I don't think this person even knows this exists, you know, and things like that. How, like yeah. how hard that must be to mm-hmm. realize that something that you didn't even know was out there yeah. has been discovered by, you know, a, a background search that your potential employer, you know, might now have exactly. heads up about. Right. Yeah. And I mean, in that scenario, luckily, that's exactly why you use a third party rights because the employers gets never gets exposed to this information. So we're actually able to like say, Hey, you know, there's some confidential information. Like, is it okay if we yeah. reach out to this person, and let them know it's, it is mind boggling to know that. Well, first of all, that people are so vindictive and vicious that they would do something like that because that's terrible. Oh, that gives me chills. Honestly, I know. I, that whole, that whole, you know, coercive control thing. I know. And the revenge and the, yeah. It, right. And it's ugh. not just revenge porn, but it, it can be a, 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 it can be other things, right? Mm. And it, it, but it isn't, this isn't like something that is an occurrence all the time. So um, that you need to kind of keep your gloves up. However, I think it goes to the point of 
verifying identities. Because even in that mm. way of knowing that well, Sarah didn't even put this out about herself, but we can still yeah. identify it as related to her, you know, is really important. And this isn't necessarily just a, well, we think, I mean, there, again, there's, there's timestamps and, and uh, different ways to look at internet information so that you can be confident in, in that scenario. That being said, the upside of, of having a social media formalized process from an employer perspective mm-hmm. or the candidate is that generally that legal process requires that you also have a dispute process. So should yeah. something not be accurate, should we think Sarah is a different Sarah Smith somewhere else in the world, mm. you have the opportunity to say, that's not me. Yeah. That, you know, hey, you know, there's an error here. I want to talk about it. So um, that's a really important aspect of this, too, to kind of really set the level playing field for candidates so that they know yeah. that if there is relevant information, um, they have the opportunity to speak up about it. Yeah. And to set that space between the manager and the process mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's something we did a lot with police checks is even if something came back on the police check, mm-hmm. we'd go through a risk assessment process. It didn't always mean that they wouldn't get the job. Yes. Um, but if we did hire them, that manager was never informed about what was on that check. Yes. They were just told, oh, we're still going through the process. We're still going through the process. Because for me, thinking about, okay, well, sure, they might get the job anyway. But how is that manager going to treat them differently Completely. during their employment? If they've seen that video or that picture yep. or they know that what they've been charged with in the past, yeah. um, how is that behaviour going to come out in their career in terms of promotions, how they're being treated, trusted, all of that kind of thing? And that brings up a lot of risk for an employer as well um, totally. in terms of discrimination and you know adverse action. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's a fantastic point. Um, one that we talk about a lot, and especially in the past three years or so, um, in terms of like the intolerant stuff, the hate speech, um, the offensive kind of stuff, um, lots of times what we see happen is not that you're not getting the job because you made a bad joke on Twitter or something. It's what we see is in, and what we hear about is called teachable moments, right? Someone from HR mm. has a convo with you and says, you know, and says, hey, this came up. Did you want to? Can, could you talk to us about this? Um, you know, did you know we have a, a, a code of conduct policy that this potentially violates? Yeah. Right. Sometimes they'll give them the opportunity to simply take down the tweet and then continue on with the process. Yeah. Right. So yeah. this is a heads up for everybody. This is also a clarifying potential process sometimes um, to where employers have the opportunity to define that those policies well, to create boundaries and to let their candidates and employees know what is tolerated and what isn't, what's going to be okay and what isn't, so that we're all on the same page here. And mm. like you, to your point, just because somebody makes an error isn't doesn't mean you're not getting the job. But importantly, that separation between the information and then the people that are going to be working with them directly, uh, it's yeah. very powerful in people's career growth and career paths. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear some examples, you know, depending on what you can actually share sure. of things that have actually impacted someone's career oh. that they maybe didn't expect to. Well, I have really bad examples again, like, like, yeah. uh, you know, unfortunately the revenge board and stuff, but the top one that always comes to mind, and this is a very heartbreaking one. It actually 
still makes me sick to my stomach to even think about it. Mm. We found two years ago a client of ours was a it is a very large financial institution, global institution. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Mm. And yeah. uh, <laughs> one of their candidates had a video on Facebook, and this was on Facebook for a couple years. I want to say it was two to three years at the time. So yeah. public content, public Facebook stuff. And it was a video of uh, someone being sexually assaulted while unconscious by a group of people. On Facebook? On Facebook. Uh, it was a two-minute video, something that wasn't very long, but it was horrific to watch. And, you know, such a key moment in that financial institution's social media program, right, to understand how impactful it would be to their organization should somebody mm -hmm. represent their company. But beyond that, that person then had – it potentially wasn't necessarily they were involved in it directly. It was hard yeah. to tell. And there was it was tough because we – I mean, I had personally had to contact uh, law enforcement in the area that it was and talk mm -hmm. to cyber police and, and all sorts of – had investigations, things happen, and dealt with Facebook to try to – understand this and you know speaks to their you know they don't have an algorithm necessarily that catches these things folks you know what I mean somebody yeah, has to report no. this information and and, and, and catch yeah. it so you know what legal consequences there was for him who knows it, it'd be really difficult especially because mm -hmm. it was a years old video um to to pinpoint it um but pivotal to understand I think from the organization's perspective of what kind of damage that could have done internally you know, if his colleague had found that, if a client had found that, if 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 a million of other things, a news network picked it up, um, yeah. you know, uh, quite a bit of outcomes there. So yeah. that's a very extreme and unfortunate and really sad. Wow. I mean, I'm talking really. It was it was quite a day here at Social Intelligence uh, when that all was happening. I would say though that uh, one of the other things that stands out to me was. <laughs> Bless this guy's heart, I, I suppose. <laughs> it, really, not really, but there was a, an individual who was applying at a bank customer of ours, and mm. he had quite a bit of things flagged, and there was a repetitive use of the N-word. And he was, I mean, relevant or not relevant, he was a white male. Mm. And yeah. uh, it, the bank passed right it was a situation yeah. where the bank was just there was just nothing that could you know we don't want to even ask a question about why or anything. right yeah um no. right it was a no so violates his policy clearly you know that was out and so he wrote a letter to us he wrote a letter to the bank he wrote you know he, mm. he kept kind of emailing and stuff for a while because his and his it was like a three-page letter that he first wrote and essentially he was like I've I've used this term, but I'm not a racist. Um, I did say this word and that word too, but that doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. This, that, and the other, right? It was it was very uh. much. It wasn't a question of him doing the content or putting the content out or not. It was like, what's the problem here? Um, <laughs> and and you're like that. You just you just underlined. Yeah, we made the right call because you don't even recognize. Yeah why this is a problem right exactly and and so it was like gosh like I can only hope that that guy moving forward took it as a lesson and, and there was some some conciliatory language in there that he's like I get it I can see how it's like 
you know, portrayed that way yeah. and whatever. And so I can only hope that moving forward, <laughs> he learned a lesson, you know, got another opportunity. And, and I'm hoping that he moved on with his life and was able to, you know, clean up his act moving forward. But, yeah. um, but that one always stands out to me also. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, something that's been, I think in the media a lot over the last couple of years is, um, obviously the, the gray area between, you know, religious beliefs mm. and also, you know, intolerant mm-hmm. statements and things like that. Yeah. How do you guys deal with that gray line? Because there's a big crossover between, for example, um, LGBTQ mm-hmm. intolerance and religious beliefs. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we've seen here in Australia with uh, one of our uh, famous tennis players, Margaret Court, um, mm-hmm. is often caught up in controversy with that, but she comes from a religious background. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's a big debate on is that okay for people to hold those beliefs? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's news to anybody that that's obviously a, a hostile hot debate in America, right? That's, that's something mm. that is an issue, which, you know, it puts social intelligence into the position and we had to do a lot of thinking, especially over the past year and a half or so of how to make things very clear and black and white, because that Mm. you can think about those things as a gray area. So the solution that we've come up with and we worked on, we started working about two years ago and then we really put it into play last in the middle of early last year um, is something that we now call the social intelligence intolerance database. And Ah. what we work on is not calling those balls and strikes ourselves. Right. So social intelligence is not the creator of what is racist and what is not because putting ourselves in that position is very difficult. Uh, we're a California company. People automatically think we're going to have a liberal bias um, to these kinds of things. Mm. And potentially we might, right? So you do. we do have to yeah. check our own personal biases and, and, and what that means. So what we rely on and what that database is, is essentially, and it's, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but it's like, there's like 386 uh, hate groups, like 141 hate symbols, 72. I mean, it's, it's quite a bit of information that, that uh, is pulled from a variety of sources, mostly us based, but uh, we do consider some global sources that are, you know, organizations that focus on, defining these kinds of things, right? So Mm. in the U.S., it's uh, the Anti-Defamation League. The FBI has some resources. So there are actually resources that you can turn to to say, you know, the N-word, right? Well, who says it's racist, right? Like who who is the authority here to to make that call? And um, so that's what we rely on. We rely on a variety of sources. Then we have a, a database so that if we ever do flag content in that category, we are providing uh, a lot of context around that. So we provide the employer with, well, what year did it take place? Is this seven yeah. years ago or is this yesterday? What platform? Is it a reshare? Is it a retweet? Is it uh, original yeah. content? An example of the content, of course. And then lastly especially for that intolerance, we, we provide context into the reason why it was flagged for intolerance. So um, this group has been identified by this organization as a hate group or um, this yeah. hate language has been identified by this group as being hate speech. So mm-hmm. um, 
fortunate for social intelligence that there are organizations and government agencies in the world that work on defining these things, um, which makes sense, especially for like hate crimes or, or things that um, have a kind of intolerant uh, nature. You know, in the U.S., those are sometimes special charges. So you have to first define what that means first. What is it, yeah. a, a hate group? What is a terror organization? So um, it really does lead to creating those very clear boundaries. And, you know, like we the theme of what we were talking about, if you're doing it yourself, you don't have that now. You don't, you're not looking up your own database of what that is. So you might be like, oh, that guy is a little bit racist. And it's kind of like, yeah. well, how? Like, what, what do you mean by that? And, and what does that mean? And, and how can you define that? It needs to really be for organizations uh, very clear cut like that and understood uh, so that if you are going to confront or talk to a candidate about this, it can come from a, a basis of facts and not, well, I just don't like the candidate you voted for kind of a situation or the church you go yeah. to or your ideology that you're kind of following. So it has, I disagree with you. It can't be right. I disagree. It has to be, you know, this has been defined in society as mm-hmm. not okay. Right. Um, rather than, you know, my beliefs versus your beliefs. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I think we've had, yeah. um, you know, a heap of advice here for <laughs> candidates and I think it's been a very eye-opening chat, hopefully for people thinking about how this goes on behind the scenes. And overall, I really hope that organisations, if you're a, a manager or in HR or looking to do this kind of thing yourself, that you really think about how do you separate that and develop a structured process for actually looking at this information and making decisions um, off the back of it as well. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Bianca, for our candidates um, in terms of job search advice? Um, You know, you can always follow the Social Intel blog. We do kind of have a voice in a section that speaks towards you know, is my boss going to fire me for my tweet? Um, you know, is how do I know what if, if I'm doing things right on social media? So um, that's a great resource, I think. And, and you know, always what I say, be nice, be kind. <laughs> be kind. That is great advice. Thank you very much. And where can everybody find you, um, Bianca, and the Social Intelligence Corps? Yes, so socialintel.com. Um, please do, if you're interested, of course, uh, in social media reports, reach out to us uh, on our contact page and just mention podcasts. And we will, uh, what we're offering uh, podcast listeners are uh, is lifetime wholesale pricing, actually. So it's a really great deal. Uh, but yeah. truly just, you know, hey, if you're interested, we want to get you uh, to take advantage of, of something that is as cost efficient as possible and then me personally uh i'm on twitter i'm on like i'm on all the places and uh <laughs> you can and you're you're being kind i'm being kind i try um i try and i'm just at bianca lager for the most part there <laughs> yeah awesome thank yeah. you so much for joining us thank um, you thrilled and, um, thrilled to yeah. be a guest here on your show sarah it was great it was a pleasure very first guest yes thank you so much yes <laughs> bye you hit subscribe. We're a new podcast, so if you liked this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review so we can help even more people. For more advice, inspiration, and a supportive community, join us in the Interview Boss Facebook group. If 
we've been your job search besties and helped you in some way, there's a cool way you can support the show. Shout us a virtual coffee. We get a huge kick out of reading all of your success stories. Head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash interview boss and shout us a cuppa. If you keep us caffeinated, we can keep the content coming. <laughs>